Hello and welcome to Between the Liars with Ryan and Marcelo. Hello, everyone. And we have a very special guest for you today to talk about what's going on in his home country. Luigi C. from the Agree to Disagree show. Hey, guys, what's up? Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate uh, you coming on, especially so last minute. Yeah, thank you. Not a problem. So, Luigi, uh, why don't you give us a little pitch about your show? You host a podcast that sounds pretty similar to us, which is How I Found You. And I'd like to know, you know, for our audience, what is your show about and where can they find you when they want to listen? Yes. So, I am Luigi C., host and creator of the Agree to Disagree show, where I have uh, various guests from all walks of life. We discuss social issues. Uh, we debate, discuss social issues, pop culture uh, current events and just like to have different perspectives of of uh, different people and uh, i just choose topics of whatever is in the news and we discuss it and that's pretty much the goal of my show lately it has been of course concentrated in terms of what is going on up here in uh, old canada <laughs> <laughs> i stream live on youtube at agree to disagree show facebook twitter and of course available as a podcast on uh, spotify and apple and google podcast as well so awesome. uh, thanks so much for having me guys i'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. So as he's alluded to, and I've alluded to, we're going to be talking today. We're going to give you a rundown about the Freedom Convoy and the latest updates and then our thoughts. But Luigi's on here as the uh, special expert because uh, I don't know about you, Marcelo, but I, I don't know a whole lot about the Canadian government at times, at least not enough to discuss eloquently. <laughs> so what we're going to do uh, is we'll get into that. But if you are not already, be sure to follow us on Instagram, our Facebook page, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. We do stream usually at 12 on Saturdays, but I was running a tournament this last week for speech and debate on, well, yesterday just ended and uh, Luigi was available today. So we do switch it up. We try to give you uh, a heads up when we do so. And Marcelo, why don't you tell them about uh, that music from Andrew? And as always, our music and our beautiful intro song is provided by Andrew Hansley over at Secret Spike Studio 865 Audio. And his new single is Misty. Already said it many times, but it's so hot. It's awesome. So please go listen to it. I, I love his music. It's amazing. He really helped make us iconic with that music. And uh, speaking of merch, I have in my hand the much coveted <laughs> coffee mug with our logo on it, which I got off of Redbubble. Uh, so I'm if, jealous. And I, yes. <laughs> Luigi, you're going to get a sticker for joining us later. So love it. Uh, you'll, you'll get one of those. But yes, Redbubble, beautiful invention. So why don't we just start, Luigi, with uh, why don't we just take a, a very broad view, a step back. Tell us about how your government government is set up. Maybe it's similar to the United States. Maybe there's some ways in which it's different, but let's let's just start with that. It is similar in many ways and different in, when I say different, is how we elect our prime minister, which is a, similar to your president, of course. However, the structure is a very similar in terms of we are divided by provinces and each province has their premier. And so if we're going to compare it to the American uh, United States, you have your, of course, your states and you have your governors. So it's, it's very similar. The thing is, is that what's, what's been happening in, in Canada in the last, um, I'd say 15, 20 years is this, this divide between the left and the right, which of course is the liberals and the conservatives on one end. And there's really much nothing in the middle. Uh, the, we have the new Democratic Party, the NDP. We have the separatist government from Quebec, which is the Bloc uh, Québécois. And these are the four basically parties that run basically parliament. So each party, each seat or each area has their member of parliament. And for now, the third time in a row, the Liberal Party has a minority government, which means that obviously the last voter turnout was 30%. 30% of eligible voters turnout, which uh, was very surprising because it was wow. so important. It was during the pandemic, yes. And leads us to where we are today. And see, the context here is that our current prime minister, which is Justin Trudeau, 
basically who is an unqualified substitute drama teacher. Okay, guys, what I'm saying is, is not, I'm not making this up. I'm not being facetious. This is the God honest truth. The only reason he is prime minister today is because his father, who was a beloved and famous prime minister of Canada, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, that's the only reason it's, it's the name. And, you know, we could compare it, his uprising to a populist movement because he has got nice hair, like his father is very charismatic, says all the right things, chooses all the right, you know, very woke and will pretend to care about literally everything that is in the news and that's important. Which leads us to where we are today and what happened with the trucker convoy. And we'll get into a little bit more details into that. So I've never seen such divide. I think, and you'll probably agree with me, even in your own land there in, in the States, a divide between left and right and a, just a divide of the people. And I believe that the prime minister is solely responsible for this. So Justin Trudeau then was the one who passed the vax mandate. So was that passed by your parliament? No, because basically how it works is that each province, like each state decides what they do in terms of the vaccine vaccine passports, vaccine okay. mandates. However, on the federal level, when it comes to, for example, cross-border, like the truckers, right? That's the federal government that decides on what they do. So how this started was once, for whatever reason, after one year into COVID, basically he was saying, our, our prime minister saying, oh, these truckers are so brave. They're doing, they, they, you know, they carry our goods and all the our drugs and goods and services and food and things that we need. For whatever reason, he decides, Ryan and Marcelo, to, to double down after one year and says, you know what? or a little bit more than a year into the into the pandemic it says you know what now i want the truckers to be vaccinated so where this came from i have no idea guys because when you have a profession which 98% of it is spent in your truck right or the back themselves. of your truck they're, they're by themselves Already, it's a very difficult and lonely existence that they do, but they do it and they're salt of the earth people. That was basically what broke the camel's back and what started this movement uh, from out west. And they decided to, and everywhere they were going in every province that they were driving, started to build more momentum and more trucks joining them to the point that they got into Ottawa. That's where your parliament is located, right? Is, Correct. Is, is in Ottawa. So they, they are out there making their presence known. And do you know, is it is it predominantly Canadian truckers? Is it a mix? Are there significant numbers of U.S. truckers that have joined them out there? The majority is Canadian. I know that we did have a large convoy of American truckers that, of course, that supported their brothers and sisters. But basically, when they decided to... And by the way, the, the siege, if they, the way the government calls it, is over now, right? They've removed them from inside of what is called Wellington, which is the street right in front of our parliament. They have been removed forcefully, which we'll discuss after in terms of the Emergency Measures Act. Okay. So they're no longer there. Okay. And just the last couple of things that people would probably need to know if they haven't been keeping up with this. Your Prime Minister Trudeau did refuse to meet with the protesters. He did mention something along the lines of he won't meet with someone that he disagrees with, is what he said. And he disagreed with where they were coming from. He did not meet with them. He left. And then he did come down with COVID. And then... Uh, he, Magically. He did authorize that bank accounts, like the banks could freeze assets of people who were giving to the Freedom convoy. And the reason that he did this was, in their words, to protect the banks against liability. Because if you gave to the Freedom Convoy and then there were damages that were incurred, then he was saying that the banks could potentially be held liable for that. So in that instance, he said if the banks chose to freeze these accounts, they would be protected from civil liability. So if I gave to the Freedom Convoy as a Canadian, had a Canadian bank account and they chose to freeze it, they could do so without a court order. They could do so without due process. They could just freeze access to my account, not just blocking that transaction transaction, but completely lock me out of my account. 
Correct. So let me give you a little bit of context here and a little bit of history. Yes. When this convoy was headed, and, and there's no excuse here. He had plenty of time to prepare for this because they were, Ryan they were, and Marcelo, they were coming from out west, BC. By the time they took, it took them five, six days to get to Ottawa. Okay. And, and each time they were heading out east, they were getting more and more truckers and they saw the support that they were getting from people just not even joining the convoy, but in overpasses or on the side of highways where they were driving by, there was Canadian flags. It was, it was a huge movement. So what does he decide to do? our prime minister, he doubles down, goes on a on a rampage of name calling. He calls these people, whoever is part of this movement and supports them, guys. Once again, I'm not making this up. You could go look at this for yourself. Calls them racist, misogynistic, transphobic. Like, where does this come from? Doubles down, refuses to answer any questions having to do with the, with the convoy, refuses to meet with them. But of course, he does decide to meet with a convicted terrorist and give them $10 million. Amar Kader, look that up if ever you want to look into that. Yes, I'm still ashamed about that. But, you know, won't meet with law-abiding Canadian truckers and say, listen, you said this about us, drop your mandates, we want to move on, we need to move on, the rest of the world has, why are you doing this to us after a year, year and a half that we've traveled and that we brought in your foods and, and drugs. So now the thing is, because the media is bought and paid for by the federal government, by the liberal government, and when I say that is that there was a bailout a few years ago of $600 million. Oh, wow. Because our, yes, so our CBC, which is a Canadian broadcast system, is our national broadcaster, mm -hmm. which used to stand for something, but now basically all they are is a puppet for the federal government, right? So guys, do you know anybody that's going to give you $600 million and not ask for anything in return? <laughs> if they did, right? you know, you probably feel obligated. <laughs> okay, there you go. Thank you. So this is very important. $600 million, not just to the CBC, but over 150 news outlets across the country that were basically saved from bankruptcy because he believed in the power and the importance of media. So when you look at the coverage of the Freedom Convoy, you have your CBCs, your TVA in Quebec, you have all the mainstream media, what they call the legacy media, that only spins it one way, exactly one way, exactly like the prime minister. Guys, during the three weeks of the occupation, even though it was just a protest, there was not one single site of violence. On the contrary, they were cleaning out snow. They were helping people come through. They were cleaning the National Monument of, of Terry Fox and the War Monument as well in Ottawa. And what did the media stick on? That there was one guy, which I think was planted there, with a complete face mask, carrying a Nazi flag and a Confederation flag. Yep. Was seen for literally two seconds. Actually, nobody saw him. And now that became the rhetoric of the Liberal Party. These are racist. These are Nazis. It had nothing to do with it. I could assure you guys, it had nothing to do with it. On the contrary, was probably implemented there. Well, and what's what's really important about that is that the footage that they do have of him, the truckers were yelling at him to get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. Like it wasn't like he was standing there in solidarity with them. So uh, honestly, whether it was planted or not to me is kind of irrelevant because the visceral reaction from the people around him was that we don't support this. So get out of here. And this actually touches on a really interesting point that, well, since the pandemic, at least in the US, TikTok has blown up. I know that it was a thing both internationally and also by many people in the US, but it has blown up since the pandemic and, and our original lockdown. And at least most of the footage that I have seen has come on the ground.
around from people in Canada who were there just uploaded to their TikTok feed, which is really interesting on how it's kind of decentralized the media. Because of course, if you turn on, you know, your, uh, what was it, this uh, the Canadian News Network? So CNN? Uh, for you? Uh, CBC, yeah. CBC. Uh, so if you turn that on, media is the gatekeepers. And like Marcelo and I both took journalism classes in undergrad, and we learned that the media, they have to pick and choose what stories are important and how do they want to present them. But when you have something like TikTok, it makes it more accessible because, you know, if I, if I don't like what I'm seeing, I can keep scrolling. There's yeah. more options for me to look at. So to me, that that's really interesting that how, at least how I've received my coverage for this. I don't know about... Um, Marcelo, have you kept up much with this? Yeah. So, just a brief disclaimer. Obviously, I don't live in Canada. Uh, I don't, <laughs> so, 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 so the the situation here, and and I'm going to speak purely from my experience. Uh, I don't have a lot of you know knowledge or experience in, in the Canadian politics, but I do have quite a bit in movement building and you know the price of populism in the United States. So, is sort of where my my takes will come from. But I guess sort of like to set some groundwork, I wanted to ask Luigi if you had to say what the protest is about. You know, like what is the convoy about? Like what is their purpose then what what would you say that's a great question marcella because when it started it was basically the truckers union getting together and asking for an end of all vaccine mandates and passports. But then it grew into something else because everybody, you know, basically jumped on the bandwagon and saying, it's enough. We've suffered for two years, which we're again, of course, are going to get into. And then it just became a, it's enough. Let's end vaccine passports mandates altogether because you're forcing us, first of all, to be vaccinated. Think about it, guys. Think about it. So basically there's no more bodily autonomy right? No more body autonomy. You can't decide whether or not you want to get a medical procedure. Guys, I'm fully vaccinated. Three doses, three doses. All right. But you could certainly say that to a certain point, it was done under coercion, right? If you want to get your life back, you need to be vaccinated. But even when we did, we're at one of the highest vaccinated countries in the world, guys. And yet still after two years, we were in prison. Canada's what? 90% vaccinated? 91%. 91%. Yes. So imagine that. Like I said, off air, Marcelo, you know at what point you need to piss off Canadians? A love, law-abiding, polite, laid-back, just hockey-loving country to get to the point where we were. Guys, let me tell you, we were... I'm not going to compare it to anything else in the world, what's going on. It's not about comparables, okay? This is not about concentration camps. This is not about what's going on in Ukraine. It's just I'm just t- surely talking about what happened in Canada. Guys, we've been literally locked up for two years where the majority of us were not able to work and provide money for our families. Yes, the, the, you know, the government took care of those that could not work by SERP payments, which was a, a $500 weekly payment, okay? But you basically became re- you know, reliable on the government. So freedom of movement, which is covered in our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which we're going to talk about again. So you can't work, you you can't move around because there was certain provinces. And by the way, of course, I come from the province of Quebec, where we had curfews, guys, curfews. What was your curfew time? Some was 10, then it changed to nine. Mm. Try to understand this, guys. Can you understand that in 2022, 2021, that a government is telling you, you need to be home by a certain time like there's bombs going off in your backyard there in literally it i wouldn't say a make-believe crisis because it was a crisis but when you really look at the deaths overall in the last two years and compare it to pneumonia and flu not much of a difference guys so basically in a nutshell canadians for the large part have lost the last two years of their life for literally no reason that really then sets the stage for why the truckers came through. Yeah. The reason why I asked the question of what the convoy is about is because, I, yes, when I when I started, I was like, okay, you know, this is about the mandate. This is about, you know, we they don't want to be vaccinated. 
personally love the vaccine. I, I do believe in vaccine mandates. Like mm-hmm. I think that they're very important, specifically in, in areas where, you know, you have low vaccination rates, you just need to get people vaccinated. So at least, I mean, that's my point. It's my point of view. But I think that as time went on, like you said, it sort of transformed, it became more open and a, a more more inclusive. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that the right does better than the left is being in, in their approaches, they're a lot more willing to be inclusive in what their fight is about. And I think that's going to be my larger point of this conversation is that I think that this is a perfect example on a movement uh, fueled, you know, by the right. I hope I can say that. The idea of it is has expanded to beyond what it initially was, in my opinion, at least, like from, from what I can see. I don't think we could say that it was the right where this came from. I think it was just a general malaise and a general, we're tired. And, you know, we literally in the House of Commons, which is our Congress and our Senate, they asked them, like, what else do you want, Mr. Prime Minister? Do you want 100% vaccination? What else do you want? These people have done everything you've asked from them. Everything. And yet still, here we are. So it took the convoy, and they're going to say, contrary to of, of what I'm about to say, but then slowly, each province started to lift mandates, right? So even here in Quebec, uh, as of the 14th, stuff is starting to open up uh, slowly. As of the 14th, there is no more uh, vaccine passports, uh, which just the word of it makes me literally sick that I ha- have a passport on my phone showing you that I am vaccinated. And that, as of that's not enough, guys. Okay, let, let me let me explain something to your viewers. What makes me even more sick is that not only do I have to show my passport, I have to show a piece of ID to make sure that that passport is not made up or it's not fake, that it, I am really Luigi Costanza. Okay, guys, I can't even explain to you how my stomach would churn every time I'd walk into a Best Buy or I'd walk into a restaurant and I have to sh- just the, the sheer act of showing a passport, which by the way, proved even more so now it's coming out now that lockdowns, and curfews, man, you know how much it managed to help diminish the spread? By 0.0004%, okay? So now you can understand the context in which why everybody is completely pissed off, and yet you still have a prime minister saying, oh, but yes, we're going to beat this by vaccination, and he sounds like a puppet and like a robot. Buddy, 91% of your people went out there and get vaccinated. 91% agreed with you, did everything you've asked from them, stayed home for two years, has lost businesses, childhood and adult mental health, dropout rates at school, obesity, early childhood speech development, by the way, by is up by 300% in the United States. I could just imagine in Canada, right? But yep. yet you're still going to stick to your guns. So that's exactly why the reasons why at, at their wit's end. Yep. Wits end, guys. I, I'll tell you, my my mental health took a beating, and I'm I'm a naturally upbeat person. I'm a happy person, but let me tell you what I've gone through in the last two years, and I'm nothing because my job. I I'm in mortgages, so I kept doing it. It was not an issue. But let me tell you, I have some friends in the restaurant business. I don't even know what to say to them anymore. So I I think, and I'll I'll let you go, Ryan. No, no go ahead. Uh, no, you're in, good. In, in a second, but I think. I also, you know, maybe another disclaimer is that no love loss for Trudeau, right? Like, I think he, I mean, he's he's fine, charismatic, great, you know, good looking. I love him. But also, I think he has made a lot of wrong moves in in his administration, specifically related to the mandates, right? And a lot of that inconsistency, we've talked about it here too, right? Like, it's like you can have, you, you can't, you know, and at the at the beginning of the pandemic, you you couldn't really gather in your home. But if you could, if you wanted to go to a restaurant, that's fine. You can go to the restaurant, right? Like you have a lot of money that is being fueled to like pharmaceutical companies, to uh, airplane, like to the uh, aerospace industry. Uh, a lot of um, stuff that was given to those who had the most, and not a lot to those who had little. So I think there was a really big 
world distribution decision that you know that Trudio just like made and also some of that we saw here so again no love lost for for his administration i think he's he's done a lot of wrong moves and uh yeah i just think that he's definitely taken and the decision to double down on a lot of these things it was it was also what's contributed to the idea of like you know you had this movement that was about like you know vaccine mandates and vaccine passports and i think now if you asked many people who are like in favor of this convoy they would be like no actually you know i'm like i'm here for freedom you know i'm here because i'm tired of the government and so it's all it's a lot larger than it was before and so you're getting people in who maybe a month ago wouldn't have been able to say like hey i'm part of this now they're owning it and and that's when the movement becomes larger absolutely marcelo absolutely very well said and i could add to that i'll give you an example guys a couple of years back he was doing, our prime minister was doing what they call town halls, okay? I'm sure politicians in the States do that. And he was on, in one in which, now keep in mind, this is from the same prime minister that gives $600 million bailout, okay, to uh, media that gives $10 million to convicted terrorists, endless amounts of money from scattered all over the world that I'm not going to get into because the list is way too long. So when a veteran of the Canadian army stands up in a town hall and asks him, Mr. Trudeau, where is the money to support veterans that went to war for you, that protected our freedoms, because he consistently says no and no, there's not enough money. He had the audacity, guys, to look him straight in the eye in a town hall covered on CBC, on live TV, and say, you ask of us too much that we cannot give you. He said this to a veteran of the Canadian Armed Forces. To me, that, that was the day that I already couldn't stand them at this point, but that was the day I'm like, how much integrity can you give a prime minister or a president or whatever that says this to a veteran that went no matter what against his judgment, signed up, went overseas in Afghanistan or wherever he went to defend his country and to defend our allies as well interests and tell him that? To me, I mean, look, I have, I have goosebumps. It, 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 was, it was totally uncalled for, disgusting. So I just wanted to tell you exactly what we're dealing with here. Yeah, I, I think both of you hit on something very important. Um, I mean, <laughs> anybody who's listened to the show, Marcelo can probably attest better than anybody. I am naturally distrusting of of the government. I <laughs> I, I think that you're you're crazy not to, in my opinion, uh, because politicians are people. And more often than not, they're corrupt. More often than not, they have an agenda. Like to me, I, I do not see the altruism. They've done great things. They've done terrible things. To me, at the end of the day, their purpose is to serve the people. And when I see somebody like Trudeau doubling down on something that he cannot give an answer for what is our end goal. Like as a leader, if you cannot tell me where are we going with this, then that tells me you only enjoy being in control of the ship. You don't have a destination. Now, maybe he does, but then he needs to learn to articulate that. But the way that he's doubling down on something that when we've had a recent study that came out uh, that looked at what were the benefits of the lockdowns and, and they were negligent and they destroyed the economy. I don't fault politicians for in the moment not knowing that that was the case, right? Because we've also seen that the virus has evolved. It was far more deadly. It's now more transmissible, but less deadly. And we adapt as we go. When I see someone like Trudeau doubling down on something that might have been necessary for a short amount of time, and he can't justify why it still is, and yet he still doubles down on it. To me, that is an example of a government that I, I that I am most afraid of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's it's been proven that he, he has such an ego that honestly, guys, he should have never, never even accepted to be as a nominee to run the liberal government, but his ego was so large because he had no history, he had no qualifications in order to do so. And now it's 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 coming to light, right? That you see his huge incompetence that he cannot deal with anything. So why this freedom convoy 
was such a huge in terms of how it ended is how contrary it went and how it ended through the Emergencies Measures Act. But before I get into that, I wanted to talk about what is our Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which is very equivalent. And thank you, Ryan, for pointing to your Bill of Rights, yep. which is in your constitution. Our Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms sets out those rights and freedoms that Canadians believe are necessary and free in democratic society. The Charter is part of the Canadian Constitution. That is a set of laws containing the basic rules about how our country operates. For example, it states the powers of the federal, provincial, and territorial governments in Canada. So let me read to you section 2, B, C, and D. Freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression, including freedom of the press and other media of communication. Right. A media that I've already mentioned that is bought by the uh, Liberal government. C, freedom of peaceful assembly and freedom of association. So here you have a movement, the Freedom Convoy, not one ounce of violence, on the contrary, it was a movement of love. They had DJs there, music. They had members from the Sikh community. They had members from the indigenous community that were there to support them. And they were doing tribal dances and they were doing, the Sikh community was there with tents providing food for these uh, truckers and, and all the protesters there. So basically that was stamped on, right? Because you can't have this movement occupying a street right in front of the parliament. So what does he do to decide to dismantle this when he had plenty of time? And again, let me put this into other contexts where the provinces had more than enough power to stop any type of these type of movements. So let me explain to you what happened in Quebec City, which is the uh, capital city of Quebec, the province of Quebec where I'm from, is that they knew that this convoy was going to Quebec City to protest mandates, vaccine passports and mandates within Quebec. So our premier says, and God knows I'm no fan of our premier, but at least he says, OK, fine. Here is where, this is where the context, you could park your trucks here and by Sunday afternoon, because it was on a Saturday, by Sunday afternoon, you got to be out back to home. And everyone respected that. So you had the federal government that knew this was happening. They're traveling across the country. Nothing was done. Then when he says, oh, shit, I really screwed up. Let me double down. Now, instead of saying, guys, you know what? I, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I'm going to, yes, okay. Truckers no longer need to be uh, vaccinated. I'm going to drop all these maxing mandates. No. What does he do? He decides to triple down and evokes our Emergencies Measures Act. What is our Emergencies Measures Act? I was going to ask, yeah. <laughs> All right. So our Emergencies Measures Act is a statute passed by the Parliament of Canada in 1988, which authorizes the federal government to take extraordinary temporary measures to respond to public welfare emergencies, public order emergencies, international emergencies, and war emergencies. The law replaces the War Measures Act passed in 1914. It asserts that any government action continued to be the subject of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms and the Bill of Rights. Guys, in no time was there any public welfare emergency, public order emergency, international emergency, or war emergency in order to react this. Its predecessor, which was the War Measures Act, was passed only three times in the history of Canada. World War I, obviously. World War II, obviously. And, of course, what they call the FLQ crisis, the October crisis in Quebec, when Deputy Premier uh, Pierre Laporte and British diplomat James Cross were kidnapped and subsequently killed. And interesting that the time at that time, the, pre, uh, the prime minister was Pierre Elliott Trudeau, <laughs> Justin Trudeau's father. And in this act, like Ryan said, you could seize funds basically imprison anybody with no due cause. And some of them, by the way, some of the leaders of this Freedom Convoy still are, are still in jail on basis of mischief, public mischief, abiding mischief, whatever so that is. Is mischief usually something that your government can use to imprison people? 
Absolutely not. Okay. And, and so this highlights something that's especially alarming to me as I hear you talk about this. If I understood you correctly, then Trudeau basically said, we are at point A. I want to remove this. That's my end goal, right? I want to remove the convoy. Yes. Therefore, I'm going to evoke these. I'm going to go from A to C, right? He didn't have the triggering mechanism like a war or a crisis like you mentioned, which to me, this, this goes back to what you said earlier about the way that he's labeling people. If I can label someone a Nazi, if I can label them a terrorist, if I can label them a danger or a threat to society, then boom. Like I, I, It is then in the back of people's minds, ah, he's doing it because they are a nuisance. They are, or well, it's because they're a nuisance. They're doing it because it's a crisis then is what what he is subliminally pressing into people's minds, I think. At that's least to me, that, that that's how it, how it comes across. I don't know what you think, Marcel. But. I mean, it, you have two competing ideas here. You have one frame that is trying to frame this convoy as peaceful, as inclusive, as all-encompassing, as freedom-loving. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other... Um, I would say a, a lot more attractive to the media and, and to this, what, what I'll say about the media is uh, that I don't think they're necessarily like, or like, oh yeah, we love liberals and we're going to cover them in the most favorable light possible. But I think for them, it's better for their viewers cover the convoy in a negative light. It's better for ratings and it's better. So, so in the name of business, I, I would say that that's one of the prominent reasons why they covered it the way they did. And in this case, you have Trudeau who's going for a political play and he's like, okay, well, I can welcome them in and I can attend to their demands or I can play to my base and I can double down on this. And obviously he, it was the wrong call because by using the police force and Ryan will tell you this, like, I'm not a fan of the police, right? I think what they did is awful and they should like the frozen bank accounts is just, you know, it's terrible. You should never use your powers like that, especially when it comes to, you know, People who are in some ways legitimately protesting the government's decisions, right? So I, th- I think that's yeah, do not accept that. Just to finish, I'll, I'll I'll say that it took the wrong play. It was it was a bad play, and because it legitimizes a movement, and now it makes them look like the underdogs here. You know, it, it makes them look like oh, you know, we were right all along. The government is oppressing us. Look, they're sending the police. They're sending out all of these things like totalitarians. They they, they basically gives them the reason of being after they were already formed, which is to me is a, yeah, a very bad play politically. Absolutely. But to me, I don't think it's about the framing. Like, I don't think that like this, that, that people are just like, ah, oh, the way that it's framed is now legitimizing it. I, I think that we're just now seeing the way that a government goes when they're given the ability to do something. Like when, when a government is not kept in check, and this is why, whether specifically for me in the US, but in general, when you have a similar structure like they do in Canada, if you don't want your government to make everything an emergency, then we need to hold them to account when they're going to call something an emergency. Because what we're seeing in the US is that everything is a crisis. We have a global warming crisis. We had the pandemic as a crisis. We had a racism crisis. I'm not saying that these things are not important or problematic or that they do not have detrimental effects in society. But when a government calls them a crisis and then uses that claim to then leverage an emergency powers act like Trudeau's doing, then it undercuts the very thing that it should be doing. And then the next time someone turns around and says the government should not be doing this and the government says, but it's an emergency, it delegitimizes it. And then then I'll circle back to what you did say, Marcelo, that then people are justified in their mind to be distrusting of the government. That's exactly what happens. But I, I guess for me, I just, I don't see it as a bad thing that this has come out. Like to me, it is evil what, what the government there is doing and they shouldn't be doing it. And, I, and I'm not saying that you, you don't think that. I'm, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. No, no, but, well, I mean, I wasn't saying like, you know, like what he did, like, is that evil or good? I'm, right. I'm mainly like looking for a, for a purely like political, like from the sure. layout, from the landscape of what you did, it was a bad political play. So for him, it's definitely not okay. Like, and, and he's, he's lost a lot of support because of this and it will continue to support. And it's even like, 
like it's coming here, right? We have a truck, yeah. a, a trucker convoy that's coming to DC. Like, <laughs> in your backyard, yeah, Marcelo. <laughs> right in my backyard in, in a couple of days because yeah. we have the State of the Union. So so we have this uh, extrapolated into other parts of it. It's definitely not good optics for him. No, it, it's not good optics. And guys, let's not forget what precedence is this setting, right? You have a government that, um, and I gave to the GoFundMe page when they originally had, they had collected over $10 million. The government took this money and and how how does the government and this was before the emergency measures act convince a private company to say give this first they were going to say we're going to take the money and give it to other charities first of all who are you to decide if me as a canadian decided to give 50 dollars which i did to the freedom convoy i was credited that back okay so that's number 1 how dangerous of a precedence is that number 2 then they open up a give send me page that had another 10 11 million dollars and they closed that one too now, again, another private company. Not only that, you as a prime minister, and like Marcelo said, in terms of a political move, has completely backfired on him. What does this do economically to your country that already, because as a global country, we're, globally, economically, we're suffering, inflation is out over the roof. You have single-handedly a prime minister that's put into question of what arguably is one of the most respected and best structured banking institution in the world. Okay, guys? Now, if you think you are an international investor or another country right now, do you want to put money into Canada or its banking institution that's basically has agreed to go into cohorts with the Canadian government by freezing accounts? It's it's ludicrous when you really look at it on its most simplistic level. It's ludicrous. It's criminal what they've done. Then not only that, when you evoke the Emergency Measures Act, you have to debate this, right? You have to, this has to pass in the House of Commons, which it did. And the only reason it did is because the liberal government has, has a minority government, but they have the NDP, which basically are in cohorts with the liberal governments and that they didn't want, they were hinting that it was going to be like a non-confidence vote, that if they were defeated on this bill, then we would have to go to the polls again and another election was going to have to be um, uh, called. And the NDP had no money to go through another campaign because we just went through one because Trudeau thought he could have gotten a majority in his last one during a pandemic cause a vote, refuses, closes down parliament, so refuses to have debate, saying that there's an emergency going right outside our doors. They were never a danger, number one. So it wasn't even debated, guys. So it just passes. So then what happens is then it's passed by the, the House. It goes to the Senate. It has to be ratified by the Senate. In the Senate, he was ripped apart ripped apart. If you guys could look it up, there's a few senators that just completely destroyed him in terms of this. So I'm sure that he decided three days later, once the truckers were removed with these special powers, which the province has always had the ability to do, so there was no need to invoke this Emergency Measures Act, decides to rescind it after three days. All this money, all this time, three days later, this substitute prop, I can't even call him my prime minister anymore, honestly, guys, this substitute drama teacher decides to rescind the Emergency Regis Act after three days, like nothing happened. There's no more danger. And when he's asked, what are these people supposed to do to get their banks unfrozen? You know what one senator asked, guys? Well, they're going to have to prove to us that they're not part of a protest. What is your government's general thought on protesting? I, I know that Trudeau was, that he actually went out and met with the Black Lives Matters protesters, but like in general, beyond those two, what, what is your government's guarantees for peaceful assembly? Guys, besides this one, I've never seen anything like this. Mm -hmm. We've always had the right to protest. And I mean, really, what is, 
how strong is a protest? And and I'm not sure about the other provinces, but you know that I'm going to tell you another thing, guys. You know that when we do protest in Quebec, we have to tell the authorities, the police officers, where we're going, how many we're going to be, and what route we're going to take and where we're going. Do you really think that as a legitimate protest that we actually have to ask permission to protest? Think about it, guys. Think the absurdity of this. Now, I'm not sure in the States how this works, but you having to ask the people that you're protesting permission to protest them. To my knowledge, <laughs> here in the U.S., it, it does depend. I know that there are places where you need a permit. There are places you cannot protest. There are restrictions that, that can exist, but it, uh, yeah, it, it can vary. To answer your question, it's never come to this, Ryan. It's mm. never come to this. There's, We've always had plenty of protests ever since I could remember. Get-togethers, the right of, of association, the freedom of peaceful assembly. It's always been peaceful, right, on, on a few rare occasions throughout the history of Canada. So the government has always looked upon, and that's why everyone is so shocked of how he decided, how this government decided. And there was even within his own rank, which never happens, some liberals that broke away from the ranks and says, this is not right what we're doing. I, don't, I do not support this. And the only reason why they voted for the Emergency Measures Act is because they didn't want to go to another campaign of voting for the prime minister. Believe it or not, it's just pure politics, pure politics, and our rights go out the windows. But we'll say, you know, from, from what I know is that there is some precedence for violent police pushback on protests involving indigenous peoples and First yes. Nations in pipelines. So at least on that front, there is some, you know, the, the police has been used in violent pushback or protests before. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up, Marcelo. So, you know, guys, I'm not here to shit on my country. I love my country. I'm, I'm a proud Canadian. Okay. But everyone knows the ugly history of our treatment of our indigenous population. We basically killed, stole their land. And not only that, we still can't even get to certain communities clean water for them. I'm ashamed to even say this after all these years. And now you have the discoveries, almost monthly discoveries now of mass graveyards of the residential schools when the Canadian government tore these kids away from their communities and indoctrined them into Canadian schools and not to forget about their language and rip them away from their families. And as now it's coming out that there was mass murder going on. So uh, yes, not only as of that's not enough, there has been protests and there was one famous one here in Quebec, not too far from where I live in the Kanawake region, when it was about autonomy and pipelines and there was a huge standoff and uh, the military was called in and police and there have been uh, police elsewhere. We're talking about pipelines from getting our oil out west, bringing it out east and the indigenous singer saying this is sacred land, you can't run your pipes through here and uh, sort of what, what happened at, uh, was it Red Rock, I think, or in the, in the United States? I don't recall where that area was. I think you were talking about standing rock standing uh, rock yes thank yeah, you okay so yes marcelo is completely right there there is a huge there is a history of this there's a shameful history of this uh so on that end especially in terms of the protests of our indigenous population has been violent and has been swift and violent uh, so th again, there's no surprise here in terms of how we treated this uh, trucker convoy, a completely peaceful, peaceful convoy. Uh, so all this to say that I'm pretty shameful of this, this chapter of Canadian politics. I think history will definitely remember. And I'm just hoping and praying that this will be enough to finally remove Trudeau from power. And we're only going to the polls next year in October 2023. So who knows what could happen till then? 
So I'm a leftist, uh, so I'm very interested in seeing how these things impact progressive causes. And it's sort of like in my opening of the conversation, I did say, you know, I, I, I do believe it's sort of, I think the right is taking a lot better advantage of the situation and sort of like try to frame this against liberal media, against a liberal government, against like the elites who they say look down on these people. And it's right. I like, I don't know how much you've seen of this, but like, from what I have seen, at least here, is that uh, most people would like to think of the convoy as this group of like, oh, they're uneducated or like they're just a bunch of truckers. Like they don't know what they're talking about, you know, like, yeah, like they they're anti-science, whatever, you know, like it, they, they would rather think of them as this group of people who are not acting rationally instead of trying to come and have a conversation with them. Whereas the right is much more open and much more welcoming to this specific group. I think I am very concerned uh, about how this can play out here, uh, or, or even then there too, because this doesn't spell good news for the liberal movement or the progressive movement in no, either countries. Absolutely not. So c can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Could you imagine if there was an exact, and I'm sure something similar to that, there was an Emergency Measures Act in the United States, how during BLM, Cities were not burned down to the ground, but there was violence, there was fires, there was damage to property, damage to police uh, stations. What I'm trying to ask you is, if you're not going to do this through a BLM movement, but you're going to do this through a peaceful trucker convoy, like Marcelo said, a working class movement, no violence whatsoever, what would, this, what would they have done during a BLM? And we weren't affected by it, obviously, like the United States was. So how do you see that working in the United States? Imagine they would have done this through... Or what would the reaction would have been through the BLM movement? I mean, a lot of protest. I mean, yeah, we don't have an emergency act, or we didn't call that. But you know, the a lot like police were called, the military was called in, in many of these cities. Like you have a lot of arrests, people died. You know, in the famous case of Cal Rittenhouse that we've covered in the show, we had a really heavy police pushback. You know, in a case where violence was presented. So, so you know, we didn't have the specific situation. But I, I, I will say that the police force there was definitely escalated the situation. I, like I would say from, from my point of view, I think that we have had stuff like that happen to them during BLM. To me, the difference between the two, um, and, and this is what's important to distinguish in my opinion, not all of the Black Lives Matters were riots. N not all of those escalated to violence. And there were a large number that remained peaceful. The ones where you had the largest police presence and, and then you did have that, that engagement by and large, were the ones where, where they escalated, you know, you had the cities on fire, that happened. So, so to me, the important distinction is that as long as you are remaining peaceful, then your right to protest, regardless of what it is, needs to be supported. And I think what we're seeing in the difference here between the Black Lives Matter protests or riots in the U.S. and the trucker convoy is that the trucker convoy is breaking the law with their trucks being there, but they're not being violent. So if you're going to arrest them or you're going to remove them, then you need to have something that says that they can be removed for breaking the law. And if that's the case, then remove them, right? right. And I think that a lot of the truckers went into that protest knowing that they're going to break the law. In fact, many times protests are breaking the law. It's where they become violent that it becomes more dangerous and you're probably going to see the emergencies clause enacted. At least from my understanding, the emergency clause is there for when they become violent, not necessarily to remove them, right? Mm -hmm. Because even, even during the civil rights movement in the U.S., we saw people being arrested for technically breaking the law, right? If you were, if you were African-American and you went to specific stores, you were going to be removed, you were going to be arrested. But they were peaceful in those instances. Still arrested, removed. What we're seeing for the Black Lives Matters protests is that they weren't arrested. But once we saw people who were committing acts of violence, they were arrested. And now we're seeing in Canada that the Emergencies Act is being enacted on people who are breaking the law, but still remain peaceful.
So I guess to me, the biggest issue here is when we're not being consistent, or rather the government is not being consistent in the way that they're enacting things. If you're going to enact an emergencies act because they are breaking the law, then we should have known that when people violated curfew for the BLM protests, right? And that to me is the main issue. Be consistent. Right. And, and I mean, AOC and I tend to wildly disagree. She did say that the point of protest is to make people uncomfortable. That's how you get attention. And I agree with with that. What I don't agree with is the justification then where that goes to. Ah, yes, we can make people uncomfortable by breaking the law and being violent. If you're breaking the law because you're not supposed to be parked somewhere, that is wildly different than breaking the law by burning down a building, right? To me, those are not the same one. You get the Emergencies Act and you you face criminal prosecution. One of them, you should just be removed, in my personal opinion, anyway. I don't want to get too much into BLM, and I think just to close, close the idea because I don't want, you know, just for the record... I think we do disagree there because I do think violence is justified <laughs> in cases of protest. I, I, I think violence can. Yeah, we be definitely disagree. <laughs> uh, we, we, I, I, I'm going to agree with Marcelo on this one, but I'm, I'll, I'll say my piece after. Sorry, Marcelo. Yep, but uh, I'm ready for hot takes. <laughs> I, I was just, just going to say is that Martin Luther King said, sometimes we need to resort to violence when there is unjust laws. So you, when you look at some of the biggest movements in the world, they have been violent revolutions and how else would you get through them right so not to say that there was any violence like i said in ottawa and i repeat there wasn't but the government had many ways of avoiding to get to that point the simple thing is you knew they were coming just block off wellington street and not make the trucks park in front of parliament if that's just such a huge factor now they screwed up that basically it's they they really really monumentally screwed up all right well we will be right back with our hot takes So my first hot take is the issue here with the authoritarian government, right? Like, I think our show focused today on the government intervention rather than on the pandemic and the necessity of some of these things earlier, focusing specifically on the authoritarian moments, in my opinion, that we're seeing going on here. The big issue here that I'm seeing is that when people support the authoritarian intervention, when they say, ah, yes, because Trudeau aligns with my political beliefs, and in this case, I think that he is doing a good thing and they support it. To me, the issue is if you don't oppose authoritarianism because it helps you reach your end goal, then you don't oppose authoritarianism. You just oppose specific uses of authoritarianism. And to me, that is problematic. I do not like the authoritarian overreach of freezing people's bank accounts without due process, without a court order, regardless of whether that was for one protest or another. I I just, I don't like where that goes. My second hot take is that there's a huge problem with governments when the politicians have an inability to adapt and provide a destination. If you are just steering the ship with no tangible goal in sight, you're going to lose the people, which goes back to Marcelo's earlier point that it's going to be really bad for you politically, or it should be bad for you politically, right? But to me, it speaks to a broader underlying issue that in general, I find politicians like control. And I might feel like one side or another represents me better, but at the end of the day, really the people in government tend to like the power. My third hot take here is the issues that I have with agenda-based activation of emergency clauses. When you're not being consistent, then that to me is a red flag. When you're operationalizing government entities against specific movements or specific people, then to me that's a problem. And then the last thing here is this speaks to the importance of the place of government. I am always of the opinion that the government's sole purpose is to protect your rights. It's not to rearrange the playing field. This is where we have a lot of disagreement on the show and I love it. 
But I feel that the main issue boils back down to when a government oversteps their enumerated powers. For the U.S., that's the separation between the states and the federal government. That becomes a huge issue, regardless of whether or not you can justify the end goal. Because, of course, there are specific instances where emergency acts are necessary. Of course, there are specific goods that we can argue come from the activation of these things. To me, the issue is if you overstep, it's problematic, period. Okay, I have just two brief hot takes. The first one is on the curfew and all of those standards. Uh, to me, you know, I didn't get, and then I have time to say it during the first part of the show, but in Peru, we had curfews and we had like the mandates and we, we still do. So I think it's it, it's also just a matter of like where, where you live. For, like, because for me, those things seem perfectly normal and perfectly reasonable, even though I know that for here, people would be like, you know, so it's good, like, oh, wow, you were supposed to be in your house by 11. That's so scary. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I just watch TV, you know, like that's, and, and I guess it's an issue of freedom too, but I, I think it's very dependent on re the region where you live in, uh, whether you're comfortable with that or not. Um, second, and this is, this has been sort of like my bigger point because I, obviously I'm very invested into Canadian politics, but I'm also even more invested into how this is going to be used here and how this will impact politics here. And specifically this idea of a populist movement, because it's populist in nature, getting all of these people together in this, you know, idea of like, you know, we love freedom. We want to be free and we we hate the tyrannical government who's trying to oppress us and how much more effective they have been in getting people on their side than anything the left has ever done in like the last, I don't know, 20 years, which is to me is, is crazy. And there's a lot of things that we can learn from this. There, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. We need to learn how to galvanize the movement or movements like this in favor of our progressive causes, you know, like because we can meet them in the middle, too, in some cases, you know, like I said, I'm not a fan of Trudeau. I think he sucks in many, many ways. But did you know that the companies that paid him off will also pay off whoever is next? You know, the companies will still be there, even though he's not. So you can vote him off, but you don't fix the root of the problem. The media that you hate so much because it frames you as a, you know, uneducated trucker. I hate it too because it frames me as a radical who, you know, I just want to give people healthcare. <laughs> like in, in, in some ways, the stuff that you're worried about, I'm worried about too. And I think it, it I guess it is my hope for the next year or, or whatever, as we continue in this pandemic, that we find those ways to try to talk to people about the grievances they have because they're valid because they're unique because everything that's happening right now with the inflation with the prices with the quality of living that is going steadily down can be solved maybe in more ways than you think are possible i think mine's going to be very short and sweet I think you guys have summed it up perfectly in terms of authoritarianism and totalitarianism. I'm just afraid of government overreach, which was, I think I've made a case for it here today uh, during our show. But what I'm most afraid of and what my hot take is, is why I'm worried is the divide of the people within Canada. When you looked at all the polls and you don't, you don't know which one to believe and how reliable these polls are. But I could see the, the breakdown of the Canadian government where... You see, why this is so dangerous and why I'm so worried about is that I've again proven that the media controls and the legacy media controls our thoughts and beliefs, or they have only one narrative. Now, if you have a large population, a large percentage of a population in Canada that are only getting their news from this legacy media, then obviously that controls and they're only going to have one view. And that's where this creates the divide and where it's so easy, like Marcelo said, is to, to make this any and anybody, this movement and any freedom convoy or anybody that supports dumb, stupid on the wrong side of history, you have no idea what you're talking about. That to me is the point that was the most dangerous that came out of all this. 
But I'm glad for one thing is that, like also Ryan said before, is that this has showcased and it's been brought to the forefront, this media and uh, how I think a large portion of Canadians are going to relook at how they, where they get their information and that they're going to question the CBCs of this world as well. Well, Luigi, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your insights. It was great to have you on. We're definitely going to have you back. And before we go, where can our listeners find you on social media and where can they find you for your shows for the audio slash video portions? Yes. So uh, I am on YouTube, uh, Agree to Disagree Show. I also am on Instagram and Facebook, same name, Agree to Disagree Show. And also on the audio format podcast, uh, as I mentioned, available on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers as well. Okay. And we're going to provide the links in our description so that uh, any of our listeners can easily find those. But we're going to go ahead and get out of here for today. All right, I'm sure you find yourself somewhere between the liars. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Twitch, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on our social medias to stay updated. You can just find us at Between the Liars. And if you enjoy this show, give us a five-star review. Hit that like and subscribe button. Share us with your friends. Help us get the words out. Make sure you check out Luigi and his show. And we'll check you out back here next week. Goodbye for now.